This morning is uh, continuing in the Advent season, and if you're not familiar with Advent, uh, to catch you up, Advent is the uh, four Sundays leading up to Christmas. It is the season of the church calendar that we give particular attention to the arrival of the Christ child, of Jesus at that first Christmas. Uh, and we do that in order to remind ourselves on a regular basis of the importance of the arrival of the Messiah, the Christ, on that first Christmas morning. This year, with all of the things going on, with everything that's happening, we decided that we were going to give particular attention to this notion of peace on earth as described by the angels and what that looks like for us because of Christ, that this new peace would be available to us. That because of the birth of Jesus, he has established a new peace on earth uh, that we might be able to live into. Last week, Pastor Jason began the Advent uh, season with a, an understanding or a teaching on how we see Jesus is called the Prince of Peace and how he's come to establish a new kind of peace that surpasses all understanding and to learn to live into that kind of peace. Pastor Jason reminded us that peace, the scripture kind of peace that is described is much more than just the absence of violence, but it is a flourishing of life on all levels, on an emotional level, spiritual level, physical level, that there is a, a new kind of flourishing that is available. The Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom, and it carries this aspect that it's a wholeness, that, it's, that, that which was fractured has been made whole, has been made complete. And so when we look at the peace of God that is brought to us uh, in Jesus, we're looking for this shalom. Uh, it could also be described as a pervasive sense of well-being, that there's a pervasive sense of being well cared for, that all is well under the leadership and the guide of Jesus. Because Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who was born for salvation, there's a new way of living that brings shalom or a pervasive sense of well-being under his leadership and guidance alone. And so it is that kind of peace that we're going to explore to various levels and various aspects of that peace in our world, in our day, uh, as we go through this season of Advent. Now this morning, I want to use for our text this morning the uh, narrative from the Gospel of Luke where the angels announced to the shepherds the birth of this Christ child, the birth of Jesus that would happen in Bethlehem. The announcement of the angels to the shepherds is found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And I'm just going to read for us Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 18. And if you're familiar with the Christmas story, this is going to be very familiar words to you. But I'm asking that you listen to the announcement from the angels and what it teaches us and what the invitation is for us even these thousands or so years after the birth of Christ. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, moving on from there, says this. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. See this thing that had happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. The announcement that the, sh- that the angels give to the shepherds on that hillside in the dark night was the availability of a pervasive sense of well-being. The availability of peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace. Shalom. A pervasive sense of well-being on those whom God's favor rests. The availability of a life covered by a pervasive sense of well-being. Regardless of external circumstances, there's an availability of a pervasive sense of being well cared for. Jesus, the Christ child, makes available, makes possible peace on earth and in our lives and in our relationships. And it has been delivered to us on the hillside in this little town of Bethlehem. And this morning, using this text this morning, I want us to consider at least three aspects of peace and about what it looks like in our life and how it is brought to us, how it is delivered in Christ. And again, the peace we're talking about that Christ offers us is a pervasive sense of well-being, a pervasive sense of being well cared for, regardless of the darkness that we may find ourselves in or the chaos that we may find ourselves in, that there's an availability of peace. I bring you good news of great joy, the angel said. That'll be for all people. And glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, on those in whom his favor rests. So three aspects I think are worth considering from this text. And the first one is that the peace that God offers us overshadows the chaos or the darkness around us. When peace is delivered on that first Christmas in that little town, in that manger, when peace is delivered, it is a peace that overshadows or transcends the chaos and the darkness that surrounds them. When we live under the peace of God, the shalom of God in this world, it doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye to the hurts and the, the chaos and the darkness and the mud and the muck of our life. It doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye to it. It means that we experience something that overshadows it, something that, that transcends it, something that covers it, that even in the midst of external circumstances that don't look very good, we have a pervasive sense of well-being that is unshakable because of Christ. So that the peace that he delivers us is one that overshadows and transcends and envelops all of the darkness and all of the chaos of our world. It enables us to live with an ability to trust in God's eternal goodness in our world and in our life without being consumed by one thing or another. Oftentimes we don't live with that kind of peace in our everyday life. It seems elusive to us. It seems just out of 
reach to us because oftentimes we're consumed with the worries of a dark and chaotic world. We're consumed with health concerns. We're consumed with our financial struggles. We're consumed with relational conflict, all of which seek to drain our sense of well-being and uplift this aspect of worry and anxiety and on-edge feeling that we live through. So most of us, many of us, don't live with this pervasive sense of well-being. We live with worry and anxieties over what could happen, what will happen tomorrow, or what will go on the next week or the months to come. And yet Jesus' is, Jesus's birth is announced by this pervasive sense of well-being that, that overshadows or transcends all of the worries and the anxieties and the cares that seek to drain out our sense of peace. Jesus says that we don't have to worry about all the various things. You don't have to clamor after all these things, for there's an availability of a peace in the midst of a chaotic world and external circumstances that don't look so peaceful. There's an availability of a pervasive sense of well being. So you do not have to worry. You don't have to worry. He says it that way in his greatest sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, it's recorded this way. Matthew 6, verses 24 and 25 and 26. He says this, Do not worry about your life or what you eat, what you drink, about your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Then skip down to verse 33. Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. There is a peace, a pervasive sense of well-being that Christ establishes in the birth of of him on this first Christmas. And as we begin to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, we experience his peace and we don't have to worry and clamor and have anxious thoughts over all these things. It's not that those things go away. It's that the pervasive sense of well-being overshadows them, transcends them. See, Jesus isn't saying that followers of Jesus or apprentices in his life don't have any concerns of our life. We don't have any financial struggles or any kind of worries. Of course we do. It's just that we live with a pervasive sense of being well cared for, such a pervasive sense of shalom that it transcends our external circumstances and that the peace that we have is not relegated to just what we have or our status or our ability to manufacture the peace in our own. For it is a sense that God gives us. And the peace, the prevailing sense of well-being overshadows it. It it transcends the chaos. So Jesus says, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen here or where you're going to go there for you are well cared for. Do you not know how well your father feeds the birds and the trees and how well he takes? Are you not much more valuable than they are? You are well cared for. You have this pervasive sense, an available life with this sense of well-being. Now it's only found in Jesus. He's the only one that delivers this kind of peace, this kind of shalom. He says, do you not know how much valuable you are? You have this well-cared-for life. 
Which leads me to the second aspect I think is worth noting or considering about this peace. Not only does it overshadow our concerns and chaos and the darkness that we experience, but the way it's delivered, the way it's brought to us is surprising. It's surprising. Because we long for this kind of peace. We long for this kind of well-being, well-cared-for. But the way in which God establishes it, the way he delivers it, is surprising to us. We're told the shepherds are astonished. And everyone who tells, everyone that the shepherds tell about this news of the baby are amazed at what's going on. They're surprised at the delivery of this peace. For what they wanted was a warrior king who would stand in a palace somewhere, who would drive out the evil Romans, who would establish a new military strength in the region and establish his authority in the land. What they wanted was a warrior king. But how Jesus, how God establishes his peace is not by a military strength, not by political influence, not by intimidation, not by arm wrestling his enemies into submission, but is established in a lowly manger. And a baby wrapped in cloths in some little town of Bethlehem. Surprising. He brings his presence and his presence transforms everything. It's not by strength over, power over. It's by loving presence with. It's by Emmanuel, God with us. See, God is not far off in some palace somewhere orchestrating something, not hidden off in some world, but in Christ, in the advent of Christ, he is establishing a shalom, not by strength and power over, but by a loving presence with. Loving presence with. It's unexpected. It's surprising. Because we think about authoritative power as declarative, dominating, kind of, you know, submitting people into, the, into doing what we want them to do. But any of that kind of peace, it, it's always short-lived. It's, no real, it's not really peace anyway. It's not flourishing. It's fear and trembling. It's not flourishing in goodness and life. But the power that's on display in Jesus is of a different kind. And the peace, the shalom that he brings is more real, more true, more robust than we can ever imagine. It stands strong in the midst of our mud and chaos and darkness. And the sense of well-being, this pervasive sense of God's goodness comes through in his loving presence with us. That loving presence, by the way, is exactly what characterized Jesus' life and ministry. Not just his birth, but his life and ministry. He didn't wander around looking for applause and trying to gain as much crowd as he can just for a crowd and kind of go on the speaking circuit and write books and go along the way. He just brought his loving presence near to people, listened, cared, noticed those who were unnoticed by others, who thought that they were unclean and unwelcome, and Jesus brought his loving presence to them. And so what God is doing both in the birth of Jesus and through his life and ministry is drawing near to us, bringing comfort and peace and presence to establish a pervasive sense of well-being that we are well cared for. And that pervasive sense overshadows and transcends all of our worries. It's surprising because it's not that it goes away immediately, but it's his loving presence 
that brings this shalom. Which leads me to the third thing that I think is worth considering as we think about peace. And that has to do with when peace is delivered or when peace is made available to us in Christ, peace also has to be received by us. In order for peace really to be delivered, it has to be received. Deliveries are happening all the time in our life, especially this season. Presents are coming and Amazon is our best friend. And they show up you know, in a couple days and they drop off a little box and they continue going. On there. Deliveries are happening all the time. But in order for a delivery to really be a delivery and to really be delivered, it also has to be received. It has to be received. Just the other day here at the church, and I'm sure this happens to you as well, but we as a church got a delivery. It was delivered here, and uh, the delivery guy came and, and dropped off, and we got notif- notified that it was delivered. Uh, but no one was here uh, at, this, at the church office that day. Uh, I think it was the day after Thanksgiving. Nobody was here. The church office was closed. And, but the delivery came anyway. We got a notification. We didn't see it. We didn't find it. We walked all around the church campus. We couldn't find it. It wasn't in the front door. It wasn't in the back door. It wasn't, wasn't anywhere to be found. And we reached out to the delivery people. They tried to wash their hands of it. Well, it's off our truck. I don't know where it is, right? Well, somehow it was delivered. And uh, we couldn't find it at all until someone on our staff looked through our security cameras and they found the delivery person actually came to our front door, found that it was locked and walked around the corner and dropped it off in the corner out of sight and out of mind and we had no idea where it was until we found these little cameras. We could find out where things were and then we went and got the package and, you know, it was like napkins or something. Like it wasn't anything great, but it was something. But the point was, we didn't actually receive it, so the delivery wasn't actually made until it didn't make any difference in our life. It was here, but it didn't make any difference in us until we actually received it, until we actually found it, grabbed it, opened it, and were able to use it, right? The peace that is delivered to us in Christ is a wonderful announcement, but it also needs to be received by those who are hearing the announcement. Shepherds up on this fields watching their flocks at night get this wonderful announcement. But if they had just gone back to bed and just said, oh, that was a nice thing, that was a great thing, they wouldn't actually been actually able to receive and experience the shalom, the pervasive sense of God's loving presence to make all things different. They wouldn't actually experience that unless they actually came and received it. Peace in our life is not actually delivered until we actually learn to acknowledge Jesus as king and to submit our life under his kingship on a daily basis. To acknowledge that he alone is the source of being well cared for. It's not manipulating things or making sure that my finances are in order or achieving the right things or doing everything else to have the right status or the right reputation or anything else that I can manufacture on my own. It is only the way to live with peace is only to be able to submit and learn it comes from Jesus and my life in him. But I have to receive that. Because God's presence in the very midst of chaos, in the midst of all the stuff that's going on, can bring such peace that I don't worry. And I'm not riddled with anxieties and fears. But I live with a pervasive sense of well-being. But I have to receive that. I have to learn to live with that peace. Now that may sound really churchy and really great and nice but how do you do that how do you actually learn to receive the peace that has been made available in christ announced by the angels 
that this pervasive sense of well-being is, uh, is available to us, how do I actually live that out where I'm not riddled by worry and fear and anxiety, but I have a pervasive sense of well-being all throughout my days, all throughout my weeks, all throughout the seasons? And for that, I simply have two very simple suggestions for us this morning, for all of us this morning, myself included, to learn to live with the pervasive sense, the available pervasive sense of well-being that, may, that Jesus makes available to us, two very simple suggestions for us. And the first, slow down the pace of your life and create margin. Slow down the pace of your life and create margin. I have several pictures, paintings in my office and some quotes from some books or some people that I highly respect that remind me about the kind of life that is available to us in the kingdom of God. One of those quotes is by Dallas Willard and he writes this. He says, you must arrange your life so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with Jesus. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. We, can't, we simply cannot experience deep contentment, joy, and peace shalom, pervasive sense of well-being when our life is running at high RPMs all the time, constantly moving and moving and moving. Because when we're constantly moving, we will find ourselves frantic and frazzled, running after that which is urgent and forgetting that which is important. And we will find ourselves worrying about plates that drop and things that go missing and things that happen. We simply don't have space. We don't have enough margin because we're running at such high RPMs that we are not experiencing deep contentment, joy, confidence, and peace. Because we have crammed our life with such schedules that promote worry and not peace. If we're going to live with the shalom that is available to us in Christ, we must learn to eliminate, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. How do you do that? Well, I've got a couple of things. You can do it in a number of different ways. And I don't mean to be overly prescriptive. Like, here are the three things to do. And then you have a more, K, more, more margin in your life. I don't want to be overly prescriptive. But let me just give you a couple suggestions. Right? Take five minutes before you get into your car in the morning. And have a breath prayer in the morning. Just take a couple deep breaths and say, God, my life is in your hands today. Five seconds before you get in your car. Maybe take 30 seconds wherever you get to wherever your destination is. Before you get out of the car, turn it off, turn the radio off, and just take 30 seconds to create a little bit of margin so you don't just run into the store or run into work or run into the place and you just constantly create 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there. Maybe you want to prioritize of, of studying God's Word in the morning. Maybe you want to spend less time on Amazon or shopping and spend less to create margin in your life. Maybe you want to slow down when you're driving and just slow down. Maybe just go the speed limit. And that would be good, right? Start there. But just ruthlessly eliminate 
hurry. Create space and margin in your life. Again, I'm not trying to be overly prescriptive. I'm sure you can come up with a whole list of things. But the point is, what would it look like for you to eliminate hurry in your life? To create margin to realize that I am well cared for. Well cared for. If we're going to experience peace in our life, then you got to make room for it. You've got to make space for it. The shepherds made room. They heard the announcement, and they made space, and they took the time to go see. They didn't just go, well, that was nice. What's next on the agenda? we got to keep going. Well, that was really nice, but i got kids to feed. i got schedules to go. i got soccer practice to go to. i got basketball. I, got this, this, and I, got, I don't have time for this peace thing. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. We simply will not, cannot experience the peace that transcends, that overshadows all of our chaos when we're running at 8,000 RPMs all the time and we're spinning, spinning, spinning. Arrange your life in such a way you experience deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your life with Jesus, ruthlessly eliminating hurry. Second suggestion for us is that it would be we become an agent of peace ourselves. Seek to bring God's loving presence to those around us. And again, you can do this in a whole host of ways, right? Again, not overly prescriptive, but here's a couple ideas. Really listen to someone. When you're having lunch with someone or dinner with someone or breakfast, put your phone down and really listen. Ask open-ended questions. Turn the TV off during dinner. Really spend quiet time listening to someone. Smile and acknowledge them. When you're walking through Walmart and you got like 8,000 things to do and you see someone that you kind of know, don't take the other, row, the other aisle so you avoid them. Spend time and smile at them and spend five minutes. Create margin so that you can be an agent of peace in their life. Say hi to them or do something. Again, you find out what's good in your life. But be transformative by bringing an intentional presence with another person. See, what we remember at Advent, the arrival of Jesus, the announcement of peace, shalom, goodness, and a well-being in our life, this establishment of peace, that we receive it in our life, we begin to orient our life, stop trying to manufacture peace on our own, but we orient our life and restructure our life to experience a pervasive sense of well-being. We rest and acknowledge that it is the presence of God with us in the midst of our external circumstances that do not look peaceful, we can live with peace because we've created margin. We've eliminated hurry and we recognize God's governance for good that he can cause all things to work for the good of those who are call, called according to his purpose. But we have to, we have to receive that. We can't just hear it as good news and then keep on with our life. We have to receive it. The peace that had come was announced, was delivered in Jesus, but deliveries only make a difference in our life when the, the delivery is received. It's received. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we're grateful for your mercy, kindness, gentleness, and goodness in our life. And so we pray that as we have heard of this peace has been announced over us, that we would take steps to receive, to eliminate the chaos of the schedules, and that we would rest in your abiding goodness to be with us. 
pray that today and this week and this season would be a day that we center our lives on you. For you are the giver of all good things. It's in your name we pray. Amen.